0: Welcome to Old Town New World, live from Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill. I'm Chris Gervais. I'm Jason Broadwater. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. All right, did We
1: count it off? No, okay. All right, so here we are at Millstone Pizza again, having a good time. Uh, and we're talking about networks. So, you know, we've been exploring this idea in all different directions, but basically the idea of point-to-point connection. You know, think about it this way. used to, before the cell phone, if I was gonna meet you somewhere, we'd have to make pretty specific instructions, you know, directions on where to meet, when. But now it's like, oh, I'll just call you when I get close, or I'll call you when I get there. It's that point-to-point connectivity, right? Well, that is starting to that type of connectivity, that type of network is, is in everything that we do, it's in, whether it's uh, developing our towns, our businesses, even uh, global power shifts you know, is, is where we've been taking this idea. So, the idea of traditional institutional frameworks and, and, and architectures versus point-to-point connectivity. I mean, think about crowdsourcing. We put a problem out there and people connect to it. Each individual connects to that problem and participates. Versus an institution having to say, okay, well, well, we'll take on that problem and we'll hire seven people and then we'll have a manager and, we'll, you know, that traditional infrastructure. Now it's all about point-to-point connectivity. So so I put the question to uh, Chris and Robin, who's a guest with us again today. Welcome, Robin. Howdy. I put the question to these guys. You know, where are they seeing this type of um, network uh, organization, this type of point-to-point organization, and and how is it influencing our their lives and our lives, and, and where do they see it in the world? So who wants to start?
0: A, I think it's an interesting thing that the concept of, of crowdsourcing or, or just network and the idea of flat uh, you know, power structures as opposed to different kind of levels and, and hierarchies and stuff, um, it's something that I think the Internet, of course, is like making that easier to do, but I think it's also one of the big differences in our culture now between from now to like maybe 15 20 years ago is the way that so many people now seem to feel like they're experts at so many things and I mean sometimes that's unfounded you know but um it's it's also one of those things that it does it it lends itself to people being more educated on some level I guess If, if you're gonna consider yourself an expert like I can only ever talk about movies and stuff because that's the circles that I, I move in you know and it's just like I remember in the 90s when you would rent, read Entertainment Weekly and find out they had this one page where they told you the movies that were in production and it was the only way you knew about this stuff and like I would tell my friends and, and they wouldn't hear about these movies until the the previews came on with whatever they want to see you know years later <clears throat> and um, now everyone is constantly aware that they're making another Avengers movie I mean you People know it as so, soon as they sign the deal, you know.
2: So like you lost, you lost power.
0: I lost power exactly. Someone like me who, who was so incredibly nerdy. You lost you I lost, lost cultural it, yes.
2: influence. Yeah,
0: oh. and then and then this gave way to alcoholism. <laughs> um, <I> was, <laughs> um, but you no, know, I mean I think that it's it's not exactly a negative thing. It, that that sort of stuff is a negative thing when it comes down to people who have an inflated you know sense of self and and all that. But at the same time, there's a lot of positives to that because. Um, you can only sort of regard yourself as a fake expert so long before you actually are an expert, I guess. I'm good
2: you. Um, yeah, it does illustrate the um, the point which is a, a shift in the balance of power because of access to knowledge. Yeah, people want knowledge.
0: They want to know how everything works. I mean, think about how many, think about, you know, television, if it's not some, like, how it works, kind of like Mythbusters kind of thing, or, or whatever, it's a reality show about the behind the scenes of whatever. People don't just see actors in movies now, they as inappropriate as it might be, they want to know everything about how they do their job. Like, it's, it's, once again, sorry all I have is movies, but I never in a million years thought that you'd go to the movies and see a movie trailer that showed people sitting in a chair talking about the production. But that, that happens now, which is bizarre. But it's, I think we want, it's like everyone is a participant now yeah. It's, it's the, the idea of consumerism isn't what it used to be and I think that's reflective of what you're saying of the idea that everyone feels like they have a voice everyone feels like they can do whatever better than the guy in front of them may or may not well, be there's, true it,
1: there's all these opportunities for this point to point connectivity talking about movies and we've talked about this before but the ability to make a movie right. by forming point to point connectivity like you, you say oh I know a guy who can act I know a guy who can direct I know a guy who can, who can shoot you know films I know a guy who can edit I know a guy who does soundtracks. You create all these point-to-point connections instead of saying, oh, God, well, I'd have to go to a production house in Hollywood to have access to those types of resources. Well, the resources aren't controlled by the institutions. The resources are floating out there. The problem in the past was how in the world with 300 million people in the United States do you find a guy who can edit a movie for you? Well, if you put something out on the Internet, people, the people who are interested in that thing, bring themselves to that problem and they connect. So what it is, instead of creating an an institution to solve a problem, and the institution has to hire people to do it, you put the problem out there and the people who are interested in that problem, they create their own point to point connection with that particular problem. And it allows you to do amazing things and connect with people. I mean, the the birth of Flow came from me hiring contractors, writers predominantly in the beginning, from all over the country to do writing projects. Well, I didn't like travel the country and like interview everybody I came in contact with to get their writer. I just put on the internet who wants to do writing work, and the people who are interested brought themselves to that problem, and we connected, you know?
0: If you ever go to like a trivia, like a lot of bars now have like really awesome like trivia nights where they give away prizes and all that, and one of the big rules is like everyone has to you know, no cell phones. Like, we can't see a smartphone out. And the interesting thing about that is because, well, why? Because it's like, if you go to Trivia and you have a smartphone, then there's no competition. Everyone is, has all powerful knowledge. And it's like, well, you know, in in day-to-day life, you aren't at Trivia and no one's going to, like, reprimand you for having your smartphone out. Therefore, everyone always has absolute knowledge all the time.
1: That's why we, that's why I, I call it the connectivity age. Because it's not about, it's about, your ability to navigate connectivity. I mean, for example, let's say we were all going somewhere right now and we are going in separate cars. Well, if I knew how to get there and y'all didn't, traditionally that would give me power. I mean, how I handle that would be my choice. I mean, I could just explain it to you. I could say, y'all follow me. Or I could say, you have to pay me five bucks for me to tell you. But in now it's like, well, here's the address and y'all each will connect with the internet, put it into your navigation system, whatever, and we'll all show up at that same point. We might take different routes or whatever, but because we are each connected in our own ways, we don't rely on each other to be, one of us to be that central source of, of power. It's the connectivity age because of that, because of point-to-point connectivity versus traditional kind of like archi- uh, infrastructure that you see with institutions. And that's really at the core of it. You know, you, you look at the examples on global power shift, You know, where you have um, nation states, I'm talking large, macro stuff, you have nation states and they control the power. As long as your nation state had a big, powerful military, then your nation state was safe from another nation state. Well, look at what happened on 9-11. It demonstrated to us that network connectivity, point-to-point connectivity, can be more powerful that no matter how powerful your military is, how big your economy is, if people rally around a problem in a networked way, even to do ill and harm and horrible things, they're able to penetrate what used to be an impenetrable force and, and kind of, quote, win in that situation, you know, with the 9-11 attack. It's
2: you interesting know? to see how the traditional large institutions have tried to adapt to account for that. And um, I think we're just starting to see, like, the the long-term effects of of how this is going to change our society. Like, there's so many ways that, like, it's still unclear. Like, for instance, like, the trivia thing, like, will people even care about trivia? Like, <laughs> right. after a, after this generation, like, when, like, is is the ability to have a tiny piece of information somewhere in your head even right. going to matter to kids? Right. After? right,
0: right. Yeah, I mean, much like the way that, um, like, I was talking about how I was, I was a nerdy kid in junior high who knew about these movies and now nobody cares you know it's like it's like right. what you're saying like to be someone who's like full of all this kind of is this smarmy little person full of knowledge I guess that role kind of changes as, as time I mean we're still in a stage where yeah, the,
2: val- the value of, of that of being that way like seems silly like when you have the technology for, that technology
0: because of course because as far as like knowledge and stuff it's, it, it definitely truly belongs to all of us, so the real skill is application of knowledge.
1: That's right, man. That's exactly right. And educational institutions are dealing with that in, in droves. I mean, it's like, it is the big question for educational institutions. You know, I heard a, a college president speak on this where he said, used to we were repositories of knowledge that we handed down to the next generation. Now we are, you know, campuses of application where we provide the opportunity to apply knowledge in interesting ways and, and apply information and content in interesting ways. You know, that's really the
2: crux. That's really the crux of it is yeah. like not having information, but the ability to use it. But if
1: you think about it, I, I don't think that in that way. I think we've only become, and this is, of course, my naive kind of like belief that my place in history is an important one. But I, in terms of all of our time and in, in history is an important one. But but I think that um, really we're just becoming more aware of. What is always true about knowledge, which knowledge is about connectivity. I mean, you know, learning is about um, something new comes at you, and you connect it to something that you have, that you know, that you are familiar with, and then you in, and then you evolve and interpret because of that connectivity. It's like a synapse. You know, the brain works based on connections; it fires connections. So, I think that anytime we create something, what we're really doing is creating a mashup. It's like we're all. You know hip hoppers because we're all creating mashups anyway, and everything like that. It's like that. Um, it's like that. Um, Run DMC. It's like Run DMC. Ja rule. Ja rule. It's like yeah. <laughs> no, it's like them, that thing you sent me, Chris. That uh Ted. Wasn't Ted Talk? Oh,
0: oh yeah, about about, yeah, the mashup, the idea about that it's it's not about originality, it's about the connections that you make between our existing things. That is
1: originality. Yeah, yeah that, that is that, originality. That is all creativity is about what you what you experience, what you grab from around you, and then what you turn it into in some way. So we can't discount people's ability to um, navigate connectivity uh, in these point to point connectivity things where you get on the internet, you get on your phone, and you create something interesting out of three different pictures and two different uh, songs or whatever because that is really ultimately what connect, what creativity has always been about. It's just it, it happened in a, in a slower, more kind of, I don't know, ethereal way. Now it's more, oh I've seen that picture before and now you've put different words over top of it, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Well
0: it's sort of what it comes down to, the key element, and this is the thing that, you know, a lot of businesses get wrong over and over, especially a lot of corporations, uh, when you start trying to reproduce things and mass produce things, is, is that the very base start of anything that human beings can do that is of any value is passion is 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 to care and be excited and enamored with what you're doing yeah that's sort of
2: at the root of um all the all technique
0: all um like craftsmanship right right right. Right. if if you aren't if you're no matter what you're doing if you're not passionate about it you are wasting your time because at some point whatever you're doing is going to it's going to fall apart it's going to fade away just like in the same way no, no matter how much like sort of like tangible content or whatever you have in it if there isn't any passion it's going to fall apart for the same reasons that if you do have passion and yet you know you don't quite have this concrete black and white uh way to apply it or, or whatever it the passion is going to lead you somewhere and it's going to inform whatever you do and it's a requisite Information for for that final product. That if it isn't there, then that final product has no value, and that's that's that differentiator. And that and and the idea of like originality is sort of this trick, you know, this fake thing. Because you take like, I'm gonna stop apologizing. Okay, The Walking Dead. It's about zombies, right? There are four billion things about zombies, but that show is created by people who are truly interested in why zombies are interesting, and and. You know they're impassioned to the core and the root of what makes that stuff work, and that's why people love that show. Even though it's not about zombies with a clock on it, or it lights up, or there's a shark, it's just about zombies and the people that love, that make it get it, and so everyone else gets it. And, and, that's they're, the, and
1: they're mashing up all kinds of ideas exactly. about zombies. There's nothing zombies original except, about yeah, Walking right. Dead. Exactly. There's absolutely nothing original about that show. But it's a great, yeah. it's a great show, and everybody it's loves an iteration it. Iteration, almost,
2: you know. Well, and it, whole I- the whole mashup idea is. Um, it's interesting when you think about the, the Western idea of the individual and, and how it kind of like sort of uh, calls that myth into question and
1: shows how like it's really more, uh, uh, yeah, it's all community. Bill, I would say that's Robin. I would say, though, that, it, it, that the individual can do exceptional mashups. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, pulling from the community <laughs> is the individual's job, so it's... I've always been fascinated with um, that kind of dichotomy between seeing things in a community unit, so to speak, versus the individual and, and the influence of the individual. The Western versus Eastern, you know, there's, uh, its kind of a yin yang, to use it. A... So, have we looping things
0: back around since we're definitely down a rabbit hole? Um, is the idea of the end—is the, the quarterback and the rock star? Will we lose him? Is no. he gone, you know? No. Will we lose him in the
1: future? Absolutely not. The quarterback will be – I mean, Jay-Z's, Jay-Z's a quarterback. You Jay-Z's know? definitely a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, okay, I meant, what I meant was Jay-Z. You mean J z from Backstreet Boys <laughs> or possibly NSYNC. Yeah. I don't know. What I mean is <laughs> that there's quarterbacks of all kind, and I'm not giving uh, a lot of credit to, to, to that person in particular. I'm just saying that <clears throat> mashup is – is driven by an individual of creativity. So the, the ability to um, pull meaning out of, out of uh, things that are happening around you in a community way and then, and then turn it into something interesting is an individual act. You know, it's, a, it's an act of one single creative person. And so we'll never lose the power of the individual, the kind of, the quarterback, the, the kind of hero figure that steps up and does something exceptional. It'll always be part of everything we do, I believe. So, so let, me, let me circle this back around, though, to um, talking about you know, the development of communities, because that's kind of what we, what we say this podcast is about, that we go in all kinds of directions. I, I think that when we look at small towns redeveloping, this is one of the critical conversations. You know, finding champions within your community that are doing interesting things is this, the pathway to success in revitalizing your community. And what are those individuals doing that are interesting? They're not, they're not, what they're doing is mashing up. I mean, they're creating opportunity for point-to-point connectivity. In other words, they're starting a small business where four, five, six people can connect with it and hang out. They're creating a a venue where they have shows where all of a sudden now these disparate people can come into the same venue and experience live music. They're they're creating, uh, they're not building institutions and then dictating from the top-down on what should happen they're just creating opportunity for point-to-point connectivity they're putting out something cool it's kind of like crowdsourcing they're putting out a problem or an opportunity and then the people that are interested are flocking to it and connecting we do this on the internet globally but we do it locally just by put having an event and the people who are interested show up you know
0: so the um now what's sorry i can't remember what's you know the book that someone wrote a book at some point where he defined like the, the shared uh, skill between all important people in history was the ability to organize other people and see the skills in other people and put them together properly. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I know the concept.
0: I don't know oh, the okay. book. I'm sorry. I wish probably should have researched that before the thing. I think, um, it,
2: was, I think it was Tony
0: Robbins. Tony, so Tony Robbins wrote a book. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, so Isn't I an guess...
1: Actor? So,
0: so I'm an actor? So forgive me for not knowing the name of the person who wrote this book. But it was defined, I think it was in the 60s or something. And So even back then it was recognized that the most valuable skill you can really have in a, in, a, in the broadest sense is the ability to identify the abilities of others and properly put them together. And I guess what we're saying here about this, this whole day, idea of networking and flat structures and crowdsourcing is that that skill just gets reinforced now. Like wherever we're headed, that just becomes more important.
1: Well, that's interesting, Chris. So I would say that it, it, it gets reinforced, but it it has evolved greatly, our understanding of that, because the old way of thinking about that is that it's my job to find out what your skill is and then put you in the institution where you can be most effective versus to just put the problem out there and let you self-organize towards your skills.
0: Yes, so, so,
1: so I continue, my job is to facilitate a process that allows you to self-organize versus I decide where you function in own, that's the difference, you know. It's about point to point.
2: What about, what
1: about the role of,
2: um, I guess, the relationship between society and like authority? A society's authority in itself, in terms. I mean, not strictly democracy, but like, you know, in the future, how is this network society going to change its relationship with authority?
1: Uh, that's a great, a uh, great question. I mean. <clears throat> I think that author, the nature of authority is being reinvented because what what is authority? You know, is it the ability to facilitate a process more so than ever, versus <clears throat> yeah, yeah. When well, I know
0: in my experience, um, when I fight authority, authority always wins. <laughs> um. Cougar, <laughs> cougar. But um, one thing I would say is that uh, you know, I think. If, Where this is all headed, I'm sorry this is jumping away from what you just said, but I I wanted to make a point that where this is all headed is that I think up until I guess the industrial revolution or whatever, at whatever point in society that we stopped challenging ourselves and we started sort of like rewarding (laughs) ignorance sometimes and sort of letting, allowing people to aspire to sort of like be to not challenge themselves. You know, we used to, as a human, you were just like, you were in this position, you wish you could be in a different position, and to get to this other position, you needed to work harder, you needed to challenge yourself, and that that isn't what it used to be. And But I think that this whole idea of, of crowdsourcing and, and, and all this pushes us back into a place where everyone is, is, you know, it's like a day remus. It's like, it's not just people who, who have generated independently these opinions about things. I would hope that the website actually makes someone say, what would I do? You know, and it's the same same idea as, as we get to this whole flat structure. It's like, but it's well, a meritocracy. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, a it, but it challenges people, and I think it's part of our psyche, and I think that. When we aren't challenging ourselves, when we aren't saying what what real, what would I do if I was president, as opposed to like, oh, I hate the president, what an idiot. What would I do if I was president? And the more we ask ourselves those things, the better we're gonna be as people. And the longer we go without challenging ourselves, the more de evolved we'll get. And that's why I think this is a great new horizon that we we are asking everyone, what do you think? What can you do? You know? And like I said, even in the same way that so many people think consider themselves ex- experts, quote-unquote, and now maybe the actual knowledge hasn't quite caught up to the egos of a lot of people. Eventually, it has to. You know, I mean, if everyone if everyone thinks they're sort of smart because of the internet, I just I truly believe that eventually they truly will be. And, well, the, and the more yeah. people challenge themselves, the more they're going to think of, you know? And, and eventually, this, this will all level out, I think.
2: Well, it's funny. I look at Congress. Sometimes I'm very cynical, and I think, well, our culture is so palliated by TV that we're never going to rise up enough to make changes in our society. I look at Congress and how inefficient Congress is, and I think you know what, like eventually we're going to be networked enough so that we can figure (coughs) out problems so well on our own that Congress will become completely irrelevant.
0: Good luck luck prying prying that control out of their hands, dude. (laughs) My cold, dead hands. (laughs) Um,
1: So so let me put a specific example to you. Um, In York County, we were um, unable to get the uh, in South Carolina we have a big problem with the state of the roads and the bridges big problem um, we have been unable to get that funded at the state level very political very controversial lots of things going on you know whatever they take the
0: fun out of funding
1: they take the fun out of funding <laughs> they put the fun in dysfunctional <laughs> out of funding <laughs> exactly they take the, so so, you know, we here in York County, just there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, we're not at the state level, we're not in Columbia, we can't do anything about it. So some folks in York County, I think, wise uh, folks that, that I respect, put forward this idea of what they call pennies for progress. And they said, what if we put a one penny sales tax on top of the state sales tax, and we collect it from everybody while they, when they buy anything, and we keep it here and we use it to do our own roads and our own bridges. And it has passed overwhelmingly. Every time it's come up for referendum, it passes overwhelmingly. The people, you know, and, and it's a conservative part of the country, very conservative. And people are like, oh, you know, they hate paying taxes and whatnot. But they pass it because the point is, it, it's, quote, us deciding what we're gonna do for us. That notion of power being decentralized like we're not sending the money to Colombia and then arguing with them on whether they should send it back. It's not going up to the CEO and then we hope we get a raise. It's based on us deciding that we're gonna we're going to improve our environment. And and you see this in every. I see this everywhere I look, man. I see it in our county doing Pennies for Progress. I see it in Rock Hill uh, doing things for itself. I see it in downtown Rock Hill. I see it in individuals and companies. You know, I see I see the success of the revitalization of downtown Rock Hill being empowering people that are doing small individual things because they're putting forward some type of idea or problem. And, and then the people who are naturally inclined to want to participate in that problem are showing up. And, you know, I know I always equate everything to the punk scene that I grew up in, but I tell you what, man, that punk scene was a smart-ass scene. It's like they preempted everything I've I've seen in the world. It's like it was a predictive scene, and what it was about was we were a self-organizing group of young people that functioned outside of the constructs of what music, the institutions of music. We self-organized, we rented out VFW buildings, put on our own shows, contacted with each other, put out our own records, sold them to each other. Everything was self-organizing, and we would just put out the um, show, and then all these people would flock around it. You know, and that's what's happening in local economies now. It's like technology businesses and internet businesses that they look like the punk rock scene. And I, and I think
2: that's going to keep happening right. locally more and more locally as as you know, the country becomes more savvy, and as as we age, as we become older and grow with this connectivity, it's gonna like it's not going to be something that can be so easily contained and it's gonna become more robust I really i think so
0: right well it's like why was that scene so efficient in the way it operated because it had no choice which is sort of what and this has come up before this is what crowdsourcing means to the powers that be crowdsourcing is going to leave them with no choice because you have to you have to do things the right and best and most efficient way or you are obsolete right do, don't do things based on anything but what is our best, most truly efficient, and helpful way to operate. And if you choose any other path, you will fail. And that and that becomes truer and truer as we go on.
1: It does because you don't have salaries and 401ks right. and gold watches anymore. You have to you have to execute. You have to bill. You have to make money. You know, to, to survive, do your own retirement. You're not going to have Social Security probably. You know, so more and more we are about executing efficiently, operating efficiently in a point-to-point world, not just saying, "Well, I'll just join an institution and they'll take care of all my stuff as right. long as I show up every day."
0: Right. It's it's the death of that marginal, like sort of link, and like, yeah, this is the way things are done. You know, oh, yeah. it's 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 a it. What it comes down to is, you know, if. If your organization is not based on what's good for humans, what's good for the quality of life for everyone, it you are doing the wrong thing because in yeah. that and you yeah and and the clock is ticking on oh, yeah. anyone that isn't operating based on what's good for people, what's good for everyone.
2: That's true. I think this all sounds like horribly uh, idealistic, and I don't think you'll ever <laughs> completely get rid of that. That no,
0: no. Wink. Yeah, I know.
2: But I do think I think that. Um, I think the inefficient, inefficient government um, system is going to become increasingly, uh, you know, moot as things
1: can happen without it. Uh, Let's. I think, and I'm going to first. I think this. the word "moot" was in Jesse's girl. The point is probably moot. Oh yeah. yeah. No, probably moot. Probably.
0: The point is probably moot. Probably. Um. So yes, I will. This is a very hippie thing to say, but. I think it comes down to the fact that let's not forget that money was invented by human beings so that they could use it. And anyone who has lost sight of the fact that money only even exists because of humans, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the truth is humans are what matter, yeah. not I mean, money. No, and not. We, we created money so that we could function. And I think, like I said, I think the clock is ticking on anyone who doesn't understand that. That's what I think.
1: Well, here's what I think. It's been another great week here uh, (laughs) (laughs) for the Old Town New World podcast. Fascinating stuff, guys. You always challenge my thinking. I think that, um, you know, considering how the world has changed, which we always do, I don't think there's, there's any, you know, there's probably things that are of equal, but there's nothing more important than understanding how the world has changed than understanding this phenomenon of point-to-point connectivity. It is in everything Everything that's changing. It's in everything we do, whether it's global power shifts, whether it's a local economy, whether it's running a small business. It's everywhere. It's one of the core principles of, of the, the connectivity age, which I believe is is the new era that we're moving into. So I appreciate, Robin, you joining us. It's always good to have you. Kick out the jams. <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll see you next week. All right, thanks. All right. <laughs> <laughs>